The Athletic. Totally Football League show talking Sheffield's negative Coroma test, Jimmy Max Latics comeback, Hamer's Howlers, FGR's XG, and how to lose friends and alienate people with Nigel Clough. And as you can probably tell, I'm a little bit angry, Steve, at the moment. Uh, so we have to be careful what we say. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Ready for some EFL chat, listener? Then you're in the right place. I'm Matt Davis Adams. I'm joined this week by Sam Parkin. Hello, Matt. Adrian Clark is also on board. Howdy. And it's the first run out of the season for the most prolific podcaster of this parish, Flo Lloyd Hughes. Hi, Flo. Yeah, hello. Um, I was saying to Abby, producer Abby, actually, a few weeks ago, that if there's some kind of like dot com bubble podcast crash equivalent, I am well and truly screwed because that's probably accounts for about 90% of my income at the moment. So let's pray that people enjoy listening to podcasts for the next, I don't know, 10 years at least. We're all hoping that, Flo. We are all hoping that. (laughs) Uh, um, only two nil nils in the EFL this weekend. Let, let's get some favourite goals, Adrian. You can go first. Oh, yeah, tough one. I think that. My, do you know what? Even though I admired the champagne football at Stoke with the t- the, the time on goal, it was, it was glorious, very unstoke like. My favourite goal was actually Joel Perrault for Swansea. The rebound. Only stronger left foot. He's denied by the post. On the follow-up, he scores off the post, following it in and just without even thinking about it, he just crisply side-footed it into the into the opposite corner. That was that was class. That he made that look really, really easy and it's not. So yeah, Joel Perot for me and, it, and of course it was the winner. Yeah, pretty embarrassing if you're a Swansea midfielder and one of Bristol City's posts has got more assists than you this season, um, I would guess. How about you, Flo? Oh, it's got to be West Brom's first goal, that Moet volley and the fact that they scored in the first minute I just think that was my favourite so far of the season I think like start as you mean to go on but I mean not a QPR goal obviously I think Rob Dickey's uh, goal against Mill was definitely my goal of the season so far but yeah that was a brilliant brilliant goal Moat on the volley and yeah corner what a start for West Bromwich Albion Sam I'm going for Donovan Wilson Sutton Ooh. United and my reasoning Love the Moet goal, love the time and goal. They could have quite easily got it. I think the the difficulty factor was just incredible with the, the Sutton goal. It was like a volley. It was a flick, if you haven't seen it. Cut back and it, it flashes past the keeper like he's struck a volley. So I, I wouldn't have been able to do that. I could have executed the other two. I think Timon's finish probably... Had to go in the top corner for me to be the best. Do you know what I mean? It was a little bit of a scrappy finish because he fell over as well. Amazing goal. And Moets obviously goes in every now and again, you know, in training and what have you. So I just think Wilson's was just insane. Must have had, he must have incredible flexibility or something. Yeah. And I always love it as well when a, a player who didn't get on well at a club goes back there and does the business. And, and Andy Cook, even though it was a kind of a tap in, just the sort of sheer joy on his face at scoring that winning goal. That that was uh, that was a highlight. Yeah, big Sam Klukas energy uh, to that one. I'll chuck in Mustafa Karayal with the, the free kick for Gillingham because it was a good goal, but also because we were so mean to Gillingham on Thursday that I feel like we need to start making reparations toward them. Uh, okay, let's championship, shall we? You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. 
Championship headlines, Fulham lead the way. They're ahead of WBA on GD at the top of the table. Blackpool and QPR prove 2-0 is the most dangerous lead as they fight back against Bournemouth and Barnsley. Bristol City continue to find the Ashton greats as their wait for a home win goes on, whilst Preston managed to get off the mark, leaving Nottingham Forest as the only pointless team after four fixtures. And under transfers, Mark Sensible Bournemouth have signed Gary Cahill. Our first to Bramall Lane, where Sheffield United's early season woes continued. They were beaten by near neighbours Huddersfield. Late goals, the theme in this one. Josh Caroma had Huds ahead with 15 to go. But when Billy Sharp plundered a stoppage time leveller, the talk was of turning points. But it turned out town weren't done. On loan, Levi Colwell quickly fired in his first goal in senior football. Uh, Flo Slavisi Jokanovic had a, a poor start at, at Fulham too, so he might not be getting too concerned. But um, this this is worrying if you're a Sheffield United supporter, walloped at West Brom and then beaten by a team expected to be down amongst the Denver. Yeah, I think the, the next couple of days in the lead up to end of the transfer window are going to be big, are going to be really big. Oh, there's, a, there's a good piece on The Athletic by Richard Sutcliffe who covers Sheffield United about what they've got to do in the next couple of days and, and the players and bodies they've got to bring in in order to, to help him because there hasn't been enough, enough transfer activity. There is a very clear hangover in in that squad, uh, that a relegation hangover, and they've got to do something about it. And they have an issue with forward players at the moment in terms of combinations that are going to work. Who's the best option? I think, you know, Billy Sharp, although he's obviously a great ambassador for the club and, and still, you know, cares, he, 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 he I don't think he's, at that level anymore, um, and they've tried lots of other options as well, and it's who they're gonna who they're who they're gonna look at to pl- come in. And, and Richard Sutcliffe talks about perhaps giving um, Illiman Indeo a chance, who had been really good for him the twenty threes, got double digits for them last season, and and had a very brief loan spell in the national league. So they they need to do something because it's not looking very good at the moment. Sam, would it be difficult for them to justify buying another striker given that they've got McBurney, Brewster and Sharp already on the books or will it just be needs must? I think it it probably would be. I'd still fancy them to to gain some confidence and them to to strike on a on a pairing that could be hot in the championship. I suppose that depends on resources. Uh, for me looking at the the team looking at that performance I think it's that link between midfield and attack where they could really do with some flair, some attacking creativity. I think, you know, three really good players in there, Berg, Norwood and Fleck, who did some really good things in the Premier League. But I just think that player to get in between the lines, they're, they're lacking. It can't all be on the shoulders always of the of the front players. Of course, they have to carry a large burden. But I think I, sh- I saw enough in the performance really at the weekend to suggest that this is going to turn around for them. Davies and uh, Norrington Davies, you know, not not played many minutes. They were good. They'll improve. I thought Egan and Basham in their preferred system were back to their best. And obviously Davies will get there with a few more minutes. So I think a lot to like in defeat. But yeah, that, that conundrum going forward, that's the, 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 the thing that's glaringly obvious to me at the moment. They're just lacking a bit of creativity as well and a bit one-dimensional. Dean Ashton spoke about all those balls into the box at the weekend, which is great, but you have to have other ways of breaking teams down. Adrian, classic big club bias from me to, to focus on Sheffield United first rather than the team that actually won the game. So we ought to say some nice things about Huddersfield. We should, yeah. I mean, back-to-back wins for the first time in eight months. So they'll be, they'll be cock-a-hoop. And they've done that 
playing quite badly for the two games. I mean, it, they were two poor games. Obviously, they, they, they won a scrappy one against Preston. And then for this game, the first hour, the shot count was, was zero to 14. So that's why Sam's right about it wasn't a disastrous performance. They they kind of dominated Sheffield United. And he's bang on about having that someone different to, to, to pop up with a goal from midfield or to unlock the door. That's definitely the player that they're missing. But no, from a Huddersfield point of view, let's credit Corbran. We kind of battered him the other day saying he's had long enough to, to get things right and to implement this style. But he his changes made a difference. And, and in the, the, the final half an hour, they had five shots, scored two goals, double substitution, made, made a heck of a difference. Um, went to three up front. Um, Fraser Campbell came on, moved Karoma from the middle to the left. All of these little moves turned out to to be, you know, they worked. So, so yeah, well played, Corbran, well done, Huddersfield. But, yeah, I think performance levels do need to rise for Huddersfield to find consistency in the championship. I think also Huddersfield really need to make the most of this spell because obviously we've already, you've already talked on this podcast about how they, they probably were going to struggle this season and they've got a fairly decent run now to, to continue and, and get some really important points to the board. They've got Everton in the Cup tomorrow, but then they've got Reading at home. You've lost three of their opening four. They've got Stoke away. That would be tricky, but they've got Blackpool away and then Forest at home. So Matt, I think you'll know how that might go. So I think it's a really good opportunity for them to get some crucial points that come the end of the season might be the things that keep them up, especially like Adrian said, if they're actually not playing that well. Uh, now then, we chided Birmingham for their off-the-field antics on our last pod, but we can do nothing but shower the Blues with praise for what they accomplished across the white line on Saturday, namely a 5-0 tonking of Luton at Kenilworth Road. Uh, Sam, I was interested to hear Lee Bowyer call this the best performance of any team that he's managed. Yeah, probably a bit carried away, wasn't he? Just just having witnessed the, the 90 minutes and being asked the, the question straight off the bat. So, yeah, on, on reflection, I, I sometimes the, the scoreline can flatter it as well, can't it? I, su- I suppose as well. But yeah, to get to get a clean sheet, not too much surprise. To expect them to be you know difficult to score against once Lee Bowyer got his, his methods in place. But you don't associate Birmingham City with being free scoring, clearly. Um, certainly not in the last few seasons. So... You know, what an impact that Chong has, has made in particular on loan from, from Manchester United. Bit of a free role, it looks like he's got supporting Hogan and Jukovic. Important for Hogan to get back scoring. Means that the, the burden is not solely on the on the head of, of Jukovic. So, so it's some really good performances and, and forced Luton into an early change in this game. Probably too late from Nathan Jones, already 2-0 down when he kind of ripped up his idea to go with a back three, which... Bit of a surprise considering they've only got slim pickings in, in that department. So a little bit surprised at, at the way Luton went about it, but credit Birmingham for what was a, a brilliant, complete performance. Yeah, a friend of mine um, was in the Birmingham end and he says that it's the best performance he's seen in years. It, 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 he didn't think that, that Lee Bowie was over egging it. At all, he just said it was, it was just fantastic from back to front. The back three were brilliant. The whole team defended well as a unit, and then when they sprung forward, they did it with real zest and energy and skill. And in Tahit Chong, it was a stunning performance, ph- phenomenal. And he reminds me a little bit of Jesse Lingard. Obviously, the Manchester United factor is there. He's he's not a kid either, is he? He's in his early twenties now. 
And he's just got that that vibrancy about him as he can run with the ball at pace. He can pop up in good positions. He's got, got excellent end product. He could do for Birmingham City what Jesse Lingard did for West Ham last season. And that, that will really excite Birmingham fans. And yeah, I just think that he's building a really balanced team. Nice, nice, nice with the wingbacks as well. You've got Bella, who's a winger, and Colin, the other side, who's a, more of a fullback. So it kind of balances out, even though they've got three at the back. When Bella's forward, it can turn into a four. And uh, and in midfield, I like the I like the, the partnership of of Sunjic and, and Woods. I think they're really solid. So, yeah, Bowie's doing a cracking job, in my opinion. Flo, I wonder if you can help me figure out Luton, because I'm not really sure what to make of them. Four league games so far, clean sheets in two of them, eight goals conceded. In the other two, it's it's patchy, to put it mildly. Yeah, and I'm surprised because I actually thought they had a good chance of kind of pushing on this season and, and potentially threatening for the playoffs. Um, I've been surprised with kind of how inconsistent they've been, but it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back from this because it, it could be that they get themselves onto a good run after suffering a heavy defeat like this and it forces them to make a few changes. But yeah, it's it's obviously a pretty um, humbling result to experience. Uh, now, as Sam will tell you, the 26th of January marks Liberation Day in Uganda. Uh, it's also the last time that Bristol City won at Ashton Gate. Their winless home run now extends to 12 games. On Friday night, Joel Pirro got the only goal of the match to hand Russell Martin his first league win as Swan in chief. He was a bit miffed though, Flo. He said, being brutally honest, I didn't like some of it. I think it's the worst we've been with the ball. Uh, classic reverse psychology is the only thing I can put that down to. Yeah, and I think they were they were lucky to get away with it at times. I think Bristol City looked better. Um, I've had a, a look at the stats on this, and it was probably one of the better games that they've played. Um, most joint, most amounts of shots on target they've had all season, but they just haven't got enough firepower. I think, and and that's the issue. I think, you know, when when you've got Narky Wells kind of aimlessly crossing balls in, I don't think you're really utilising your players to the best of their ability, and I think they are going to really struggle this season. And it's hard to see how they're going to get themselves out of the kind of sunken place that they're in right now. Uh, Sam, you're our striking expert. Joel Pirot, he's feeling the, uh, filling the IU-shaped hole pretty impressively for Swansea so far. Yeah, and a, a lovely uh, cultured left foot that he possesses as well, like Michu and, um, and IU before him, and completely agree with Adrian. Really kind of took my breath away a little bit, the, the composure, the way he was able to control the second one. It was quite a peculiar first effort, whether he'd spotted that there was that gap at the near post, because it wasn't struck with particular venom. It was really nicely placed. And then, yeah, the reaction was great. But then to control it, take some doing from that type of distance. So it was a really good goal. Just thinking about your question to um, Flo, Matt, I don't know if Russell Martins was being like that potentially because it's the longest I've seen his team play in terms of they were playing from back to front a little bit more when they were put under pressure because obviously he doesn't really want that. So I don't know if he adapted his um, his game plan for this one or the players were just under pressure and panicked a little bit. I mean, the passes were certainly down on the last few performances and the amount of long passes were up. So you don't know what's gone on when they're leading into the game, but it, it felt to me it's not exactly how Russell Martin wants his team to play. But did he just sacrifice uh, in this kind of, I suppose it's a bit of a derby, isn't it? There's a bit of 
um, disdain between the supporters. And, you know, Friday night under the lights, it was um, it was a battle. And they were fortunate because, as Flo said, Bristol City probably should have had their noses in front. What are Bristol City and more specifically Nigel Pearson going to do about this home form, Clark? It, it, it's woeful, to put it mildly. I mean, they've got Preston visiting next, which which looks like a, a decent game to, to get back on the horse as, as far as winning goes. But they've also got Fulham and Bournemouth coming to town in the next sequence of home games. So he's going to be under genuine pressure, even though he's only newish to the job. Yeah, he, he will be under pressure because expectations are high, aren't they, at Bristol City? I think they're a good team. You know, they've got lots of excellent players and and in many respects, they're playing better this season than they were last season. They're definitely playing uh, a more front-footed style. They're creating more opportunities. Um, I, I like the look of the young player, Alex Scott, who's come in. He's only 17 and they've snapped him up on a, on a new long-term deal. So he's a name to sort of keep your eye on. For me, they need something different up front. A lot of the, a couple of their strikers, I think Martin and Vyman were, were out for a long time, so that's a problem. Naki Wells, I think they want to get rid of, um, judging by some of the comments that, that 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 I've seen. So they need a different type of striker. You know, Martin and Vyman, experienced, decent enough finishers, but there's not electric pace there anymore. There's not great height, and I think I think Jeju was their was their alternative, wasn't he, last season? A proper number nine. So I think that that's surely what they'll be in the market for between now and the end of the window. And then maybe with a number nine, with that front-footed style, creating the chances, they'll score some cheap goals just at the fast stick, bang. You know, it climbs above the last defender, back of the net. That, I think, is what's missing at the moment. All right, let's build a midweek accumulator bet with Paddy Power using the League Cup as our basis. Producer Abby's going to help us with this. I'm going to go first. Uh, Abby, I'll have Wolves to be winning at half-time and full-time against my beleaguered Nottingham Forest <laughs> on Tuesday, please. Mm, surprise, Jill. Not going for a Forest win there, Matt. But anyway, uh, to get your Wolves winning at half-time and full-time, that is 23-10. to 10. Incidentally, that is the same as a uh, as a draw in this game. Looking at the odds overall, though, it, Wolves are the favourites here, even though they are the away side. Uh, they are They're also it, in the Premier League. <laughs> steady on. Yes, fair point. They come in <laughs> at evens and Forest are 14 to Five. All right, great. Uh, let's head to League One next. Ah, the summer was fun, wasn't it? No allegiances, everyone getting behind England, three lions being sung everywhere. But now the Premier League is back, get Grealish off the bench, ah, he can stay on it at City. Pickford might have been a safe pair of hands, now he's just a pair. And enough of Jules Rimet dreaming, now it's our turn to dream. So kiss goodbye to that vomit-inducing unity and welcome back proper football. Let's celebrate flair on the grass, not a flare up the... <coughs> Paddy Power! 18plusbegumbleaware.org Because you're a listener of the Totally Football League show, you can get a third off an Athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show and you could read pieces from the likes of Ryan Conway, Nancy Frostick, Steve Maidley and many, many more writers. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. League One headlines. Three teams have 10 points. They are Sheffield Wednesday, Portsmouth and Wickham. Accrington Stanley have now won four in a row in all competitions. Five teams in the division are yet to record a victory. And in obvious statements, Paul Cook says Ipswich are a work in progress. He was right. There are no duck eggs in this division. Uh, let's start with Rotherham nil, Sheffield Wednesday too. Is it just me or, or does Sheffield Wednesday play a derby every week? Uh, the latest such match saw them win 2-0 at the home 
of the Millers. Uh, Abby wants to know if Bailey Peacock Farrell is your favourite player with a bird in their name. I would say more pertinently, Clarkie, is to talk about his penalty save and, and what a good acquisition he's been and how Sheffield Wednesday, this crisis club of last season, all of a sudden looked to be a totally different prospect. Yeah, look, we, we, we said that the biggest asset for Sheffield Wednesday this season would be Darren Moore. And I think that we're seeing what he can bring to the table when he's fit and available on the training ground every week. He, he's organised them really well and, and, and the recruitment has been good. Peacock Farrell is a funny one because I thought he was pretty good for Leeds when they were flying high at the, at the top end of the championship. One or two little errors and you thought, well, yeah, of, of, of all the positions they could maybe strengthen, it's maybe in goal because he's young. But I don't think he ever let them down. Um, so it's a good pickup. In, Get in those opinion. tapes. Play back those tapes of me and Adrian slaughtering him from two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Telling you. He had, he had a couple, didn't he? No, I didn't think he was that bad. I didn't think he was that bad. But yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I've got a selective memory. <laughs> but, um, but look, he's doing the business at the moment. That was a great penalty save. And it wasn't the only save he made in the game. Got to get, also give credit to the guys in front of him. Dunkley. And I offer. Now, these two weren't available very often, were they, in the championship last season? Had they been, I think Sheffield Wednesday, as mediocre as they were, might not have gone down because Dunkley and I offer for me is a championship level partnership and they, and they did really well. And, and another key, I think, in this game was Luongo coming back in. I mean, he's, he's not the easiest on the eye, but he, he, he puts himself about and, and he will protect. And, Sam's, and, uh, <laughs> Sam is mouth to the floor. Go on, go on, shot. Go on, go on, Sam. Come he, on. he, he is. He's majestic. He's, he's a he's majestic, a lovely player he? to watch. He he puts in a hard he Australian. puts he puts in a hard challenge, but he's he doesn't kind of you know pound along the pitch like he's very smooth and <laughs> and kind of I don't know I'm trying to demonstrate my arms which isn't great I was going to say graceful podcast, flow but, but I'm watching what you're doing graceful, on the Zoom and it's not that graceful, graceful so. that's word I've forgotten he's I've not, forgotten what he's, he's like then because he hasn't played for so long it's, do you know what, I just remember him as a, as a, as a stopper more, more than no I mean he frust- was, he's brilliant at breaking down play he's one of the best you know players to do that and he doesn't mm. get you a lot of goals but he's so good in the middle of the park and he's very composed on the ball like very confident and assured on the ball, but mm. he's not messy. He's not ugly. For some reason, he's one of those midfield players that has been transformed from a silky number 10, essentially, early on in his career to mm. a tough tackler. So I know, I know why you think that, Adrian, and, and Flo's right. He does break up the play brilliantly, but he's got loads more in his armoury. So mm. I'd be really frustrated if I was in, in that dressing room on the training ground going, do what you used to do when you were younger, get forward and get goals and go past people because he's got great ability. But you're spot on, Adrian. So I'm not having a go. No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. I got it wrong. It's fine. Most dribbles, <laughs> best passing accuracy, most tackles. Put it in the tapes. Put there you the go. Tapes. There you go. We've covered all bases because he was the best at everything at the weekend. And he's just mad that he's in he's in League One, to be honest. I mean, he's way too... Uh, same with Peacock Farrell, to be honest. I think a lot of players in Sheffield Wednesday's team are like, you are way too good to pl- be playing in this division, which is obviously brilliant for them, brilliant for the fans. And I think it's always nice, a bit like Birmingham, you know, when fans have gone through it for a very solid amount of time and it's been just a consistent downward um, spiral. I think it's great to have, you know, a really positive season. And I know having known a lot of Sheffield Wednesday fans, that's the one thing that they were looking forward to is actually winning some games and playing well, especially being back at Hillsborough. So I think that's, that's probably the best, the only good thing about being relegated is you might actually see your team do well in the division for the first time in a very long time. 
All right. That's something for me to look So good luck to, to you, mate. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, Sam, Rotherham, I'm, I'm not that worried about them at the moment. They lost by two here, but but generally their defeats have been narrow. Uh, they have got a win on the board. Are they they just taking their time to, to find their feet again in League One? Um, yeah, I think they'll be relatively satisfied with the, the start to the season. I think they're a bit short in options in the forward line. You know, uh, Michael Smith, again, is going to come under pressure to to get the goals. They, I think they, they do share the goals around. It, it looked to me that they probably just shaded it, but not in terms of chances. Adrian's like bang on there, 34 crosses Rotherham put in. And I think Dominic Iofa repelled 12 of them. So <laughs> him and the other centre-half were, were brilliant. And they lost a little bit when Ogben went off early, I think it was. So that was a bit of a problem. Uh, sadly, I came on and obviously had his his penalty saved. So I don't think there was too much wrong. I just think the cutting edge, they could maybe do with something more in that department. So I wouldn't be surprised if they took someone on loan in the next week. And meanwhile, Wigan were victorious at the Valley. They made it four defeats on the spin for Charlton in all comps. Late goals here. Tendai Dariqua striking with 88 minutes played and then James McLean marking his second Latics debut with the second goal in stoppage time. Clarky, we love these Nigel Adkins motivational videos. He's right, walking is brilliant, but he might get his walking papers if this carries on much longer. Yeah, the, the natives, I think, are getting restless. The owner, obviously, with his guitar, was was very sort of bullish and he's talked, you know, he's ex, he's, he's inflated the expectations. He's got high hopes for, for Charles' future, hasn't he? He sees them at a much higher level. And they've had one shot on target over two games. So so that is is killed the enthusiasm, hasn't it, in, among the supporters. Charlie Kirk had some, he was sharp in flashes, I think, in this game. And, and they weren't all bad. I think they bossed a lot of the second half, but but they got done at the end. A little bit of a, a sucker punch from Wigan, who basically showed why they're, they're potentially a, a better bet than Charlton for, for the playoffs this season because they've got that depth on the bench to, to be able to bring on McLean, Massey, Humphreys. I mean, that's that's great firepower in the in League One, isn't it? Goodness me. And I, and I think that's maybe where Charlton are falling short. And that's and that's why the supporters are wanting Nigel Atkins and the board to, to bring in some more bodies. Great firepower for Wigan flow, but also we've spoken a few times about, about various clubs and managers having a lot on their plate in terms of integrating a whole bunch of new players. Doesn't seem that much of a problem for, for Liam Richardson and Wigan. Yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy. And it, and it can it can work in the opposite way as well. I think I think he's 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 mastered it very quickly and I think we're gonna have a, a really good chance of, of going up as well. I mean, I watched Charlton play Wimbledon in the in the League Cup and they lost one 0 and it was it was pretty abysmal. So I think a lot of teams are gonna go to the valley this season and see that as a big opportunity to get points on the board. But yeah, as you say, with a lot of changes, with lots of other clubs struggling to to get those players bedded in, it, it's it's impressive to see what he's done. Are Wigan still dark horses, Sam, or are they I don't know, bright donkeys now. <laughs> um, yeah, they're, they're they're better than dark horses, I would say. I think I actually called them that a couple of weeks ago, so that, that was my bad. What? Bright donkeys? No, dark horses. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they're, they're a good side. Just looking at the 11 now, actually, um, and thinking in terms of the recruitment, you know, signing players, um, you know, Power, Jones, Wyke, that were 
all at Sunderland last season, signing Naylor and Watmore that were were both at at Pompey. Maybe there's something in that. And then there's obviously the collection of players that were at at Wigan last year. Um, So maybe he's not had as much to do uh, as some other managers. You know, I'm clutching a little bit there, trying to think as to why they're they're doing pretty well at this stage. Um, But, you know, of those players, I thought Watmore was exceptional. Um, Again, like that bench that Clarkie mentions to bring on Humphreys and McLean now as well. Um, another player who knows the club well, um, McLean. So that's a, a great bit of business. I thought Jones was a threat as well. So yeah, they, they've got the strength in depth that Charlton clearly haven't got. And like I think Sheffield United, I spoke of a few moments ago, that's what Charlton need. I think someone to connect the midfield and the attack. Albie Morgan, I think, played there at the weekend and was a little bit short. And also... I can't question the two centre-halves and the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper made some brilliant saves, McGivery, but the two full-backs, Matthews and um, especially Gunter playing left-back at the moment. We know how good Charlie Kirk was with Pickering bombing on and how he needs people linking in the final third. If they could add a little bit more quality, maybe at full-back and also in midfield, he'll surely prosper. So they need to get some players in Charlton and I'd, I'd expect um, them to be looking at some some quality loans from Premier League clubs would probably be my guess. I think also, just to just jump in as well, I think also that that's the issue for a lot of teams is at this stage in the window, for a lot of them, the only option is some Premier League loanies and if they're coming into League One, the opposite issue that we can have, they, if they haven't got that experience of playing that division, it is going to take time for them to settle whereas we're going to, like um, Sam said, got a... a recruited well in terms they've got a lot of players who have already played at this level and I think there's going to be a bit of kind of panic stations I mean Wimbledon's a team I I cover a lot and they rely heavily on loanees from Premier League teams who haven't played at this level before and it does take them a while to, to bed into it they have the skill level but it's hard for them to match that up with the physicality and the kind of disruptive pace I think um, that comes with it and I, I think it's it, it does take a lot of players a while to get in, up to speed Yeah I think there might be a few clubs as well finding out if they're thinking they're depending on getting loans from Premier League players well most of the good ones have already been loaned out so you might not be able to stock up with the kind of quality you're looking for uh, Cambridge United got their first win on their return to the third tier albeit with a large slice of good fortune deflected first goal and then two own goals from Tom Hamer. Clark, you, you ever played with somebody who scored more than one own goal in a game? How, how are you reacting to that if it's a teammate of yours? I'm assuming you've never done it, obviously. I can't remember. No, no, I didn't score an own goal. No. Um, gave away some penalties in my time, which was uh, upsetting. Lost sleep over that. But no, not, not an own goal. Yeah, it must be, must be such a downer uh, for, for Hamer there. It was really unlucky, wasn't it? I mean, Burton, didn't they have 19 shots, I think, to Cambridge's seven? And and obviously, yeah, big deflection, two own goals. But but let's 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 give Cambridge a bit of credit. And I'll tell you why I want to give them extra credit here. They've been to Accrington and Plymouth in the last seven days, and I mean that is some miles. And Cambridge United, they won't be staying in luxury places. They might have even gone up on the day on on one of the games. That 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 is an arduous week. And then they they clicked into gear in the second half, even though they were up against it and. And came up with some great goals. Obviously, Houlihan again to the fore. Um, so yeah, well done, well done to Cambridge. And and I do think I know I probably said this last year, but Mark Bonnet it gets balance. And I think balance is such an important thing in a team. And with four four two, he's got two 
you know, nice rounded fullbacks in Iredale and, and Williams. He's got a front two, Smith and Ironside in this particular game. Brophy and Houlihan, nippy little wide men that like to jink inside as well. There's a there's a nice balance to that team and and for that reason I think they'd be hard to beat. Sam, I can picture you kind of flicking one past your own keeper from a corner. Would that would that be the only own goal you ever scored? Am I just totally think, making that up? Don't think I did, which is a miracle considering <laughs> I hated defending corners and free kicks more than anything in the professional game just trudging back there as a striker when you're knackered thinking why have I got to go on their best header of the ball when I've spent my whole career trying to get away from defenders it doesn't make any sense I hated it I just used to grab them and hope oh dreadful so like like you Clarkie I think I'd given away uh, a few penalties I remember giving away one for Luton late on just grabbing someone, just couldn't couldn't make a challenge. And uh, Mick Harford absolutely ruined me after the game. <laughs> absolutely destroyed me. What are you doing? Because he was probably the master in, in both 18-yard boxes. But yeah, own goal was not for me. And given everything Clark, you said, and everything I've read and watched over the weekend, I think I'm putting this down as a bit of a freak. Uh, as as um, content that Cambridge will be with their start, and they've done brilliantly. And um, I love Ironside. I've heard from players that have played in League Two in the last 12 months that he is an absolute handful. And we knew he was a great partner for Mullen last year. I think he still goes under the radar. So they got a good striker there. They've got a good manager, got a set way of playing and that sprinkling of gold dust with um, with Houlihan. But I think Burton will come again and it looked like O'Connor going off. Yes, he was replaced well as well by um, Borthwick Jackson, but I think they've had three defensive midfielders go down now this season so that reorganization maybe had an impact and I I can't see that happening too often conceded three goals that's just twice in the last 24 games so yeah I'd imagine Burton will be back with a clean sheet uh, in the next game or two um, yeah, all right. Well, sympathies to uh, to Tom Hamer. He didn't do the full Walters of two own goals and a miss pen in the same game. It just goes to show you, Flo, doesn't it? We talked about League One being ridiculously tight and impossible to call this season. This defeat for Burton comes after back-to-back wins against Ipswich and Sunderland. We know Jimmy doesn't suffer falls gladly. So you imagine there was some paint being stripped off the wall in the dressing room uh, at full-time on Saturday. Well, I hope not, because like like Adrian and Sam said, I think it really was just like a freak accident. They also lost Tom O'Connor in the first half. Looks like he's pulled a hamstring, so he's going to be out for probably at least four weeks. I mean, it was just one of those days where everything that could potentially go wrong went wrong. So I hope on reflection, he he kind of looks at that and thinks it, it probably won't be that bad again. I mean, Wimbledon have conceded back-to-back um, deflected goals to really kind of change the result of their games. And, and this was a, in a similar scenario where it, you're just really unlucky and, and they could have they could have scored a couple and, and they yeah, they, they dominated the first half especially. So I think on reflection, it's probably not going to be this bad, hopefully, I think for them for, for a, a long time in this season. Uh, While you're there, Flo, give us your pick for uh, Aka, please. So, kind of a rogue one, I guess. Um, I mean, I did want to go Huddersfield to beat Everton Everton on penalties, but can't really do that. So I'm going to go for the draw, but just know that I want Huddersfield to win on penalties. But we'll go for the draw technically (laughs) on the Aka. What's that going to come in at, Abby? Yeah, so the draw comes in at three to one, which is actually more likely than a Huddersfield win. So good little bet to go for the flow. Uh, but Everton are the heavy favourites here at six to ten. 
All right, we'll complete that with Sam and Adrian's picks soon. Next though, leak two. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Football League show from The Athletic. Keep up to date with everything Totally by following us at The Totally Show on Twitter. Big two headlines. Rochdale's new owners have abandoned their takeover after an investigation was launched into the acquisition of the club. A good weekend all round for Daly. Picked up their first league win of the campaign too. Newport boss Mike Flynn has tested positive for COVID. He missed Saturday's game and will also sit out the next two. Joey Barton's added Kevin Bond to his Bristol Rovers coaching staff that after the departure of Clint Hill. On the pitch, Exeter went from 0-4 goals in 24 minutes. Uh, Glenn Whelan is training with Bristol Rovers, by the way, in other Bristol Rovers news. Everyone loves a touchline scuffle. See Swindon against Salford. Gary Bowyer shoving over a Swindon player. But the last line goes to the pitch invasion at Oldham after their 2-1 loss to Colchester, leaving them rock bottom of the Football League. Uh, unsurprisingly, we're talking about goal fests in League 2 this week. We'll start at Field Mill. Two probable promotion contenders squaring off as Mansfield hosted Bradford. It was the Bantams who continued their free scoring form, adding another three to the four they got in midweek to run out 3-2 winners uh, against the Stags. Nigel Clough's post-match interview, one of the main talking points here. Uh, let's have a listen to what the Son of God had to say. And as you can probably tell, I'm a little bit angry, Steve, at the moment. Uh, so we're going to have to be careful what we say. Um, but very, very disappointed. Probably picked the wrong team today. Should have played uh, Kel Gordon, brought him back in at home. Probably a mistake uh, on my part. Why, in retrospect, would you have put Kellen Gordon back in at right fullback? I think Elliot Hughes used to play at Grimsby, the lad that scored and then made the third goal. Uh, and he's obviously very good friends with him because uh, he's not tackled him all game. Flo, that's an absolute dream, isn't it? If you're if you're doing the interview there and a manager gives you a line like that, you're just kind of a gog saying, "Tell me more, Nigel." Yeah, it was um, it was pretty classic, and actually, it was what Sam was saying of his experiences at, at Luton. I'm surprised he didn't get ac- accusations of being too friendly with with the opposition there, because I just think of all the things that you could you could hear from afterwards your manager talking about you I think that's pretty embarrassing that's probably one of the worst so I'm sure he's going to be kind of looking over his shoulder now um, for the rest of the season because he knows he's being watched because yeah that's pretty that's pretty embarrassing I think it's you know it's it's at the level of refs who who obviously get upset when you kind of accuse them of of being in the pocket of the opposition or or whatever I think that's it's pretty bad Presumably, Sammy knows the character of the player that he's criticised and knows what kind of reaction he will get to him because you want you want to use that kind of tactic on the right person rather than it, it backfiring. Or was he just angry post-match and ranting? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about that, Matt. Like, I smiled, but keep it in the dressing room. Nige, that, 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 that's my opinion on it. That said, it's tricky because if they're really good friends... If I'd have played against a really good mate, would I have gone in and when I had the opportunity to smash them, would I have gone as aggressively as I maybe would have done to some random opposing player? I, I probably wouldn't have. But you're going to be as professional as you as you need to be, if that if, if that makes sense. It wasn't even about smashing. It's just he like didn't even bother. He gave him like 
you know, free yeah, I don't yards. agree with that. I don't agree with that yeah. flow. No one's not yeah. going to bother in, in a match. I'm just saying you, you're maybe going to try. You maybe going to you maybe going to not stick an elbow on one of yeah, your best yeah, mates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not good. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You know, no professional pride's going to take over. I've never known. I've never known that. You know, in 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 my teams. So listen, he he got. He got something wrong because he should have whipped him, shouldn't he? And I don't even think Hewitt's best position is right back. So why didn't he make the change and bring on Gordon? You know, I know that it's a tricky job and you're juggling with injuries. Maris went off, which was a big reason for the the, the defeat as well. Um, so you, you're constantly having to box clever with your substitution. So that's what Nigel Clough would probably point towards. But he's obviously picked the wrong team. And, and they've made headway down the left-hand side. But I feel, I feel a little bit sorry, you know, for, for the lad because everyone's talking about him this week and everyone's laughing at him, in essence, and he'll probably feel like crap this morning. So, I wonder if, yeah. test of his management today. I wonder whether there'll be an apology for, behind closed doors. I wouldn't expect a public one, but, but there might be a concession from Nigel Clough behind the scenes to say, look, son, I, he at the moment, I probably yeah. overstepped it there. You know, I, I, I think you've got to look after the player. He's a new signing. Like Sam said, he has played him out of position and he's absolutely thrown him under the bus. And and the accusation that, that he didn't really try because it was his mate is is a serious one. So I think if I'm Elliot Hewitt, even though I'm new to the club, I'm, you know, I don't know the manager that well, I think I am knocking on the door and saying, look, can we have a chat? Can we have a chat? Because I just want to, I want to get things off my chest. That's not the case. Like nothing to do with being mates. I just had a bad game. It happens, and and maybe then Nigel would would would, would sort of admit, yeah, I, I went too far there. I, I think it's a slightly red miss moment, and 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 I'm surprised because Nigel Clough's obviously been around the block. He know, he knows the score, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, I remember the similar situation last season with Ian Everett at, at Bolton when he had a go at his goalkeeper, told him to man up after for not being able to kind of handle criticism, which was obviously a pretty poor thing to say. And he did end up apologising and Billy Crenolan's back at Fleetwood now anyway. So I suppose it didn't really make much of a difference in the grand scheme of things. But yeah, as Sam said, I mean, if you were that player, you probably wouldn't want to hang around much longer because from that moment on, you'd probably think, well, it doesn't matter what I do because the manager's already kind of made up his mind on my professional credibility so it's probably really difficult to then feel like you're constantly fighting to win back his love and appreciation I mean it just sounds exhausting Can I just say on that last um, winning goal what on earth was the goalkeeper doing and why has he started screaming at his defence <laughs> and what is the left back doing as well so yeah blame Hewitt all you like but I think there was a catalogue of errors there the main one the goalkeeper is genius I know he's a young lad on loan from Man United but I mean the shot is pretty it's it's catchable uh, and he's got to push it away from the goal and he pushes it straight to Cook and then he starts lambasting everyone it's classic so yeah I think there's a few of those in the in the back line at Mansfield that need to take a look at themselves and I think that's maybe you know in reflection of the weekend where they're going to come up a little bit short yeah they, they always had good attacking players but what about cementing back there first? That would be the first thing that I'd do if I went into Mansfield, not yeah. concede in a League Two season. Do, do you know what? I think these are two. These are going to be two of the most uh, entertaining teams in the division, not just because they served up a 3-2 here. Sam's been talking about Mansfield's adventurous lineup, which is a fact. And and I saw Bradford at Forest recently and 
And they put out their first team in the game and they're really dangerous going forward. Loads of options. Uh, Angle, who's injured, was was terrific. But they got Vernon, Gilead, Callum Cook, Andy Cook. That's that's really good for, for League Two. But at the back, they look like they can give you a goal. So, yeah, I, I think Mansford and Bradford will be entertaining. And I think they'll be up there. I think they'll both be there or thereabouts. Yeah, Bradford's still unbeaten. Nine goals in their last three games and they've won all of those. Uh, right then, do you fancy some Yamo? Well, it's no good him getting a brace that we ain't defending the other end, so that's a stupid question, but you're right, yeah. Classic Yamo, that. Uh, Forest Green Rovers, six, Crawley, three. It feels like one of the, the lesser spotted scores in the wide, wide world of football. Nicky Cadden with a hat-trick. Forest Green Rovers, top and perfect. So let's start with them, Flo. They look great. I mean, I'm not just talking about the, the kit that they've had for, for two seasons in a row now. Unheard of. Sustainable. But yeah, looking fantastic under under newish manager Rob Edwards and, and kind of everything that Crawley weren't on the day. Yeah, they look brilliant and they look like they're going to absolutely boss the division this season. And I thought it, I was quite surprised actually because I feel like it was one of the few times that Yems actually gave credit to the opposition rather than just blamed his own players, which is kind of shocking from him. But yeah, he admitted that he thought they could have scored 10 and he thinks there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to concede six or even more there this season. So yeah, they just look unstoppable. And I think there's a... There's a, a really positive energy about the place and and you can't underestimate how much that changes things. I can't remember who it was, but there was someone who was a previous uh, press officer under Mark Cooper. And I remember when Cooper left, he put a tweet out basically saying, you know, how tough it was to work with him and how much he didn't enjoy it. And I think you can tell the difference now because I think there is a, a general lift about the place and I think it feeds into kind of every corner and every every bit of the staff as well. And I think, you know, they're, they're going to have a really good season. Do you agree with that, Adrian? FGR looking good to go up? They look good, don't they? Yeah, look, if you've got Ebu Adams behind Matt Stevens and Jamil Matt and they're, and they're all in good form, that's that's powerful. Especially when you've got the ammunition coming in from the flanks. And I think that was probably the story of this game. Um, Nicky Cadden, obviously, with a hat-trick from wing-back. Kane Wilson on the other side. They just ran a mark. And there's no better feeling. Because obviously, I was a wide man and had quite a lot of games at wing-back and was really uncomfortable when we were defending. But, But when we were on the front foot and when I was being given the ball for fun, having the wing to yourself and knowing that you've got the beating of your man... It's just such a good feeling as a as a winger or a wing back, and and they were they were in that zone in in this game, and uh, boy did they they make hay. It was I mean from Crawley's point of view that, that they had a stinker in the full back positions, but but yeah, well well played Forest Green, and yeah you've got you've got to admire what what the what the manager's doing, Rob, Rob Edwards. They're passing it well, but not for the sake of it. There's always a bit of a purpose to it. It's a good tempo, and and I did read that. His background was as an in-possession coach at the FA. I don't know if a Sam's ever come across this, because Sam's obviously more recently recently retired than me. But the, I just didn't realise that these days you've got an in-possession coach and he's brought in as his number two, the out-of-possession coach that he worked with with the England under-16s. kind of makes sense that you specialise and that you become a real expert in each field. But yeah, it's just something that that just wasn't around in my day. You, Sam, or not? 
No, it sounds like a funky way of saying a defensive coach and an attacking coach. <laughs> There's coaches for everything, right? Makes complete, makes complete sense. No, I think at St Mirren, we had a guy whose name escapes me, Austin McPhee. Um, Good name. Who's had some brilliant... I know his nanny, yeah. Who's had some, some incredible jobs. Um, he was part... He was the Northern Ireland assistant... Uh, I saw him, he was the Hearts assistant manager and he was somewhere, he's in England now, um, but he came in and used to do very um, detailed uh, analysis of the opposition and we'd work on selective little set pieces and he'd come in on a Friday and just do a do a little bit and maybe go for a little bit of pattern of play as well. You know, the manager would just allow him to take it and he, he was an integral part of the season we won the League Cup and has gone on, as I say, to have some really good uh, jobs in a very coaching career. So it's something I experienced towards the tail end. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Edwards looks to be the business at the moment, doesn't he? You couldn't get two more contrasting post-match interviews. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he looks like he's about to walk onto a catwalk. He does. And <laughs> old, old John with his um, his arms folded. It was, <laughs> it was, it was glorious. Someone do that, please. I'd like a, uh, I'd like a, a gif of that. <laughs> On the in, in and out, thing I know I'd rather be an in possession coach than out of possession coach because like the in possession coach when you're scoring goals you, you get all the glory if you're not scoring it's okay you might get a little bit of flack but it's not as bad out of possession coach and it goes wrong it's just all eyes on you isn't it I, I yeah I, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want that gig no not for me uh, let's round off this Aka then who have you picked from the uh, EFL Cup ties ahead Clarky Two of the most entertaining teams in the EFL go head-to-head. It is Flo and Sam's Queen's Park Rangers against Oxford. They love going forward and they don't love defending quite as much, both teams. And uh, seeing as it's a cup tie, I reckon they're going to go for it. So QPR, Oxford, over 2.5 goals, please. Uh, Rob Dickey hat trick. (laughs) We'll get the odds on all those things shortly. Sam, what's your pick? I'm going for the other two most uh, attacking teams in the Football League, the Football Pyramid now, sorry, Norwich City against uh, Bournemouth. My thought process there is wounded animal, getting written off Norwich already, yeah, could enjoy tomorrow night against Bournemouth for a free scoring in the Championship. And if it goes the other way and Scott Parker says, you know what, I'm playing my under-18s, my under-23s, yeah, Norwich could fill their boots that way as well. So I think that'd be goals, two attacking teams. Wounded Canaries cherry picking. Abby, let's get some odds on those uh, bets then, please. Yes, yeah, so both of these events are likely to happen according to Paddy Power. Let's start at the Kyan Prince Foundation Stadium where it's QPR Oxford over 2.5 goals, 17 to 20. That's going to happen. And over at Carrow Road, um, it is 4 to 5 for over 2.5 goals. If we look at the match stats themselves... We will see that, again, both of the higher uh, ranked teams are the favourites here. So Norwich 17 to 20, Bournemouth 16 to 5. And if I scroll down a bit further, we'll find QPR are 5 to 6 with Oxford 3 to 1. I feel I feel like whenever I come on this podcast, I got to pick a, something that drives our acker up because everyone always goes with the favourites. <laughs> and I'm over here trying to actually win us some money, guys. Come on. Well, two things on that. Uh, number one, we've not actually won one. And number we did two. once. No, we, we did. did. We did. Yeah. We did. Well, not this Sam, Sam was on it. I, I want some money. <laughs> Sam cashed in. And two, if you put £1 on this bet, then you'll be handed back £43 in return because this acker is a whopping 43 to 1. Huge. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, it'll happen one week this season. <laughs> uh, you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com. Odds are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. And when the fun stops, stop. OK, just about done for today. Before we sign off, in honour of Yemo answering a question with, that's a stupid question, but you're right. Uh, let's each ask a stupid question. Uh, Clarky, you you were keen on this, so you can go first. Well, yeah, I, I'm good at asking stupid questions. Um, and, and I'm going to ask you, this might be a stupid question, but would the EFL Cup, the Carabao Cup, would it be better if it was an early kickoff competition, a family-friendly compo, 5pm, 6pm kickoffs, Get the kids in. It's all about getting the next generation through the door, isn't it? No one wants to go to these Carabao Cup games anyway, or hardly anyone does. This could be the opportunity. Fivers, tennis for a ticket, five or six o'clock kickoff. Times have changed. No one works nine to five anymore. Flexible working, here to stay. I think, is it a stupid, que- is that, is it a stupid question to ask, should the EFL Cup rebrand as a family-friendly five or six o'clock KO competition? The most sensible thing you've ever said. I think you grasp this, <laughs> grasp this <laughs> little segment that I have. I, I, I sadly still think, though, it's not the timing oh, that is stopping people going to watch, um, I don't know, uh, Sheffield United, Derby County tomorrow night. I, I don't think it's the timings that are but preventing if it, people. If, but if it was I like, think it's the fact that you know, like Sam said, that you might be paying fiver to go watch the under-18s, which actually, you know, in the grand scheme of things, if you really love your club, that's not the end of the world because you're going to get to know some new names and faces. But if you're 10 years old and you absolutely love football, you want to see the bigger names on the team sheet and you don't really care who's playing in the under-18s. Yeah. As a parent, I just don't... I wouldn't take my kid to a to an 8 o'clock kickoff. I just wouldn't entertain it. But I would take them to a tea time kickoff, even if they were quite young. And that's when they can get the bug... And that's where you're getting the next generation through the door. I just think that the time is right maybe to to dispense with, even though we're out of lockdown now, maybe the time's come to dispense with it always being 7.45 or 8 o'clock. Just, just chucking it out there. But I, know, I mean, I'm, it's I'm worth a pun. It's worth I'm a go. Far too sensible for, for Ask a Stupid Question. Sam, you can pull <laughs> this back. Um, well, my response to stupid questions always, does a one-legged duck swim in circles? Always has been, always will be. Uh, and I've scribbled down. Um, Does it? I think so. Does it? Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd imagine so. And um, I think that's the, the, the thought process behind the line, Matt, anyway. And okay. uh, yeah, I've scribbled fine. down, um, I really don't want to play this. Um, <laughs> uh, what's Neil Warnock's problem with referees? Or insert uh, another managerial title in there. Steve Evans would work as well. Uh, mine was similar to your first one Sam and do dogs that have got jobs get jealous of pets you know they just get to lounge around all day but if you're a working dog you've got to do some graft help me Flo come, come up with something worse than that I'm sweating well I had two actually one was kind of a bit more kind of method role play thing where I, I was asking a question to Yems but I'm going to bin that one because I feel like we're not ready for, no no one's in the right headspace for that so my question is just is green your favourite colour John I'd love to know and that's it yeah I wonder what his response to that I keep telling people green is not my favourite colour I thought I thought I keep yeah anyway he might be coming on soon so we better stop talking about him in this way that'll you do can us. ask him you can ask him if you've ever seen Uncat Gems
gems. Is it gems? <laughs> yes, yeah, it good. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that'll do us for today. Many thanks to Flo, to Adrian and to Sam. Sam will be back with me on Thursday. We'll have JB McEnough back then as well. So that'll be fun and possibly a Yemo TBC. Until then, though, thanks for joining us today. We'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an athletic media company production. The Athletic.